Hey, welcome to Optimize Your Body with Martin Silva, where we talk raw, uncut facts to truly help you optimize your body. Hey folks, thank you for tuning in to episode 68 of Optimize Your Body. And before we get rolling with this short, sharp episode, I would like to talk to you about the importance of sleep, as I always do real quickly. Now, with sleep, we don't we just take it for granted. We just think that sleep is something that just happens and you just hit the pillow and boom, up you get. There's actually a hell of a lot more to it, right? Just like we would nutrition, exercise, relationship, these things we have to work on. We have to put time and effort into planning our life around these things, right? And it's no different to sleep. So I'd like you to take that away from this episode also is is making it a practice. Now, before you go to bed, like what I always do is I, I'm very aware of the lights, the artificial lights in your house coming from the bulbs, the blue light coming out of your iPhone or the television screen, all that kind of stuff, right? That has a big effect on your melatonin levels. Studies are coming out now to show that they this blue lights does drastically decrease melatonin levels. So although you, th- you might think you might be listening to this and thinking, I go straight to bed, boom, I'm out cold that doesn't really mean you're getting good quality sleep, okay? Now, especially if you're like on your phone or you're using electronics right up until you go to bed and then you think, boom, just because you went straight asleep um, that you are all good with your sleep. In fact, sometimes when you literally hit the pillow and crash out, that's not always a good thing because you that's, that's an indication that you're burnt out, you know? If you literally hit the pillow, bang, out cold. However... What I was getting at is sleep quality. Treat it as a practice. So before you go to bed, before I go to bed, I now I sometimes put the candles on, turn all the lights out. But if I don't do that, I'm always aware of the lights. So I turn the lighting down. So it's 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 quite dark in my in in the house in the apartment even at least an hour before bed, and I put my blue light blockers on normally about two hours before bed. So my blue light, blue light blocker glasses, which preserve melatonin, they block the blue lights. And, and again, the studies are showing that they are really, really beneficial for sleep quality. However, the most important thing before you consider getting blue light blockers is winding down before you go to bed. We're living in a day and age where we're more stressed than ever. We're under a constant state of stress. We've got these mild stressors coming at us from all angles, especially the iPhone. That's the main culprit, right? You lot can relate to this. You know, we're on our iPhone. It's hard to come off it. You're doing bits and bobs. Sometimes you're checking emails or you're actually doing stuff which is, you know, productive, so to speak. But a lot of the time we waste time on there. And regardless of it, you need to you need to make it a priority to come off your phone. Like I know some of you listening like, oh, you know what? I can't because, well, you actually can if you plan. Um, just come away from your phone. Come away from electronics if you can at least an hour before bed. That's not to say I do this every night. I really don't. However, I've always got those blue light blockers glasses on to mitigate any damage. So what I would recommend is, firstly, prepare yourself for a good sleep. Reading a book as well. That's something I do. You know, I'm I'm a big fan of reading anyway, but it's an awesome way to to help you drop off and fall into a, a deep sleep. Just reading before bed, 10, 15 minutes. Get into bed, get a paper book. Don't do it from your iPhone or something. Ideally, get a paper book, and, and that's a great way to to wind down. And obviously, you're going to be be learning and educating yourself as well. But where I'm going with this now is, obviously, I wear these blue light blocker glasses. And if you do want to get a pair to improve sleep quality, I am affiliated with Swanick Sleep. 
now. So all you have to do is go over to swanicsleep.com. I'll put it in the show notes anyway, the website. Enter code optimize your body, all one word, for 15% off these trendy looking blue light blocker glasses. Most blue light blocker glasses make you look like a bloody welder or a builder. They're horrible looking things. As uh, some of you who follow me on Instagram may know, I used to wear the horrible, ugly looking ones and get the piss ripped into me by my missus and other people regular. Now I have a trendy Swanick pair and I'm never going to look back. So today's episode, folks, I'm going to talk to you about the five life-changing lessons that I learned on my road to becoming a pro fitness model competitor or bodybuilder, whatever you want to call it. Same process, really. But the reason I'm doing this episode, because I really think that a lot of you will benefit from some of these things, because I've transferred a lot of the stuff that I learned and the mindset I acquired from competing and making it as a professional level bodybuilder or fitness model competitor naturally as well don't forget I've, I've not you know without trying to brag I've, I've done it without the use of steroids and there's not many people that have done that you know because I'm I compete in a non-tested federation as well which means they don't do drug tests which means most of the guys are you know are, are on gear but I take nothing away from them and I don't complain about that because it's my choice to compete in a non-tested federation and the reason I don't compete in a natural one is because there's not much in it. Unfortunately, the standards are not very high. You don't get as much exposure. And also the WBFF, who I compete with, they run an amazing show. It's it's such an incredible experience when you compete with them. So as I was saying, my five lessons that I have learned, okay? Now, the first thing I learned mainly from this was learning how to fail, that is something a lot of you, I think, should take away from this, and I'm sure a lot of you are already aware of this anyway. Learning how to fail and actually embracing failure, you know, you want to actually fail more often than not, really, because the only way you learn and grow is from failing. And that's not to say, you know, you have to, you know, suffer and, and experience misery. And No, it's not about that. It's about failing at certain things, it, it, don't be afraid of that. Don't fear failure. Um, most people live their whole lives fearing failure. Fe- f- uh, you know, having um, letting failure or f- or sorry, letting fear define them. Okay, it's obviously fear keeps us, us, us alive, and it's great to fear certain things and, and have fear. However, letting it define you is a different story. So embrace failure because I actually failed at fitness competitions for a long time. I competed a total of seven times before I made it as a as a pro and actually got my pro card. I competed with one particular federation five times and I put my heart and soul into these competitions and I didn't know what I was doing. So the preparation leading up to them was an absolute misery because I was literally eating chicken, broccoli, salmon, walnuts, tuna and, bro- and, and asparagus and maybe some sweet potato. Literally, I was I was eating no more than 10 different foods, uh, bland foods as well, just adding salt to my meals and nothing else. Don't ask me why. Bodybuilding advice, um, which was completely unnecessary. And it was an absolute misery. And I, I got myself absolutely shredded as well. And the first show I did, I didn't really know what I was doing. Placed second, got through to the British finals, 
put my heart and soul into that one, uh, restricted my food, done a, a miserable prep, and then I didn't even place within the top six. That hurt. That was a blow, but I was naive going into it really because uh, once again, I was natural and I was up against um, lots of guys on gear. And at that point, I was naive because I was assuming that the men's physique category was going to be less guys on gear, which was the whole point in the men's physique category being kind of founded, if you like, was it was going to be more of a healthy fitness kind of men's health kind of look. But that just straight away got blown out of proportion because, uh, you know, a lot of the men's physique guys out in Australia now are bigger than the bodybuilders. They take more gear. So um, I was naive going into it, didn't get what I wanted. That hurt. And then that's when the binge eating started then, but I'll come to that in a bit. Um, then I, the following year I competed, I'd done two shows in a row on the bounce, uh, two weeks in a row. And I was aiming for first place, obviously, like I always am. And I got fourth and fifth. And the standards weren't, I mean, the one show, the standards were quite, it was quite embarrassing actually to come fifth. I think, you know, first or second, my condition, my physique was first or second, but I didn't get my posing right. And I didn't get, my tan wasn't, listen, the things that you mess up on the day um, can be, you know, literally a, a case of you coming first, the difference between you coming first or last, literally. It doesn't matter what you do in your prep if you don't get it right on the day, which I didn't. It's cutthroat. And, and, and coming fourth or fifth and those two shows literally destroyed me because I was going in thinking, right, I've got this. I was looking at my com competition and I was like, wow, my physique is, is going to be number one or at least second. And I got fourth and fifth two weeks in a row and I ate, like I said, chicken and broccoli, put myself through blood, sweat, and tears. I was doing like hit training every day. I put my body under so much stress. How the hell I didn't do any, um, I may have done some irreversible damage, but I literally hammered my body unnecessarily leading up to that because I wasn't educated. Like I said, I was doing hit training sprints every, every single day. I was eating next to nothing and to come fourth or fifth just destroyed me. And, um, obviously that was, that was a fail for me because I was going for the win and I was just, destroyed for like a week after that because um it just felt like everything i'd done was in vain so my point is but after after i was obviously a lot weaker mentally then and then after that i went on to you know switch federations and and, and make it up to not only professional level but you know uh, ranking within the top 10 in the world at the uh, world championships in toronto and yeah and and then doors started opening and I, I was getting what I wanted and the, and the recognition I kind of deserved in a sense. So that was because I learned what failure was and I learned how to fail. And I was like, okay, if, if that hurt, but now I can learn from it, I can grow, I can make the changes I need to make and I can, you know, and then I built resilience and, and became a lot stronger mentally. So I'd like to finish that one with an Arnie quote. Strength does not come from winning. Your struggles develop your strengths. When you go through hardships and decide not to surrender, that is strength. So do not be afraid of failure, whether that's business, uh, you know, like a career change or whether it is like I moved over to Australia from the UK, you know, you want to go overseas and live for a bit or you want to, you know, travel in general, fitness and health goals, you want to compete maybe, who knows what, whatever you're, you have in your mind you want to achieve. But let me tell you, the time is going to pass anyway, right? Listen to me. The time is going to pass anyway, right? So go and do what you got to do. Go and give it a shot, right? There's, you fail. Do you know what? That's great because there's no such thing as failure really, okay? It's winning or it's learning. Just as uh, Colin McGregor says, right? You either win or you learn, right? So you're just going to 
basically build character. You know, when you when you don't when you get setbacks and hardships, that builds your character. That's how you get to where you want to get. And if you don't if you don't achieve what you want to achieve, you know, life takes a different path sometimes. The character you build and develop on that journey is what really makes makes you. And um, it really will, I think, be the difference between you being happy, fulfilled, living a, a life full of purpose, or you know, living a life of resentment and, and misery. Really, I think, as grim as that sounds, right? Go and give it a shot. Okay, do not be afraid to fail because that will make you stronger. And that is one of the main things I learned from competing. Anyway, I'll get through the other ones probably a bit quicker. Number two, consistency. Literally, I use that word a lot. Try and use another word. (laughs) Um, No, I'm not going to say literally again. What I'm going to say is, I'm going to crack on with it. Consistency. So I learned a lot about consistency in general just from training and building muscle. As I've said before, the thing I love about health and fitness is it's very black and white. You go to the gym or you do your exercise, wherever that may be, you get results. It's black and white. You're consistent with that. You generally get results. Talking about building, using building muscle as an example, let's take away the nutrition and all the other stuff. Regardless of that, if you're going to the gym, let's just say even two times a week and you're doing purposeful sessions where you're maybe training the full body and treating your you know main lifts such as squats, deadlifts, overhead press, you know pull-ups, you're treating those lifts as a skill and you're doing that twice per week, you're going to get insane results, significant life-changing results. If you were to do two sessions a week, you know, and, and just keep consistent with that, the compound effect from these small decisions we make are astronomical. I cannot express enough how important consistency is. Whenever I sit down with someone on their first session, someone who comes to me for a consultation for personal training or, or even online, um, as an online you know, uh, client, I'll say to them, you know, if you can only commit to one session a week in the gym, if you're consistent with that, you're going to get results. Trust me. And then you can reevaluate later down the line. Don't get me wrong. Doing one session a week forever is not going to get you groundbreaking results. It's still going to get you results, though. And I always say the person who's doing one or two sessions per week is going to be better than the majority of people because the majority of people go balls to wall, four or five sessions a week they will do in the gym, and they'll do that for a few weeks and they'll diet down or, you know, they're not really dieting properly most of the time anyway. They're just depriving their body of nutrients and starving the body. Um, and then they'll fall off. It's the on or off wagon, right? They're either on the wagon or they're off the wagon. That on or off mentality is toxic, folks. So I always say to this person, I'll say, listen, if you can commit to one or two sessions per week, you're going to get better results than the person who's coming five times a week for three weeks and then having three weeks off or four weeks off. Um, you know, they go on holiday, they'll train for a holiday, they'll come, they'll, they'll eat their body weight and food every day, put all the weight back on, and if not more, come back, they've lost their mojo. This is the majority of people, okay? So do not underestimate the compound effect from making small changes. Um, so whether your goal is, once again, whether it's to improve your overall health or whether it's to um, increase the amount of money you earn, Taking one small step and taking action on something which may seem like um, 
unsubstantial to you will have a, an astronomical effect if you're consistent with those things later down the line. So I'll leave you with another quote. If you are persistent, you will get it. If you are consistent, you will keep it. Okay? So you've got to be a persistent motherfucker in this game, and you've also got to be consistent to keep the momentum. And that's what I learned from, from competing because I would not leave any stones unturned. I would do, let's just say, 10 minutes of posing each day leading up to the show rather than not doing any posing for days or weeks and then just trying to blast in loads within a small amount of time. I would do a small amount each day. I would do my lifting each day. I would make sure my meals are prepared each day. And that consistency, just from doing those small things, uh, I say small things, just from doing those simple things really, and not procrastinating, so to speak, got me to the professional level as a uh, fitness model and, and, and literally changed my life. So consistency is key, folks. Number three, surround yourself with the right people. Okay, so another game-changing thing that I discovered whilst competing was who my real friends were. Now, you know, when you're doing this kind of thing, it's, you need to sacrifice a lot. You're not going out drinking and socializing, especially when you get closer to the show. You're not going out eating bad meals. Essentially, you're not really very social, when you, at least when you get four weeks out from your show, right? But just in general, every, if you want to get on stage and bring an in, you know, the best condition you can bring and be at your best, you've got to sacrifice the fun and the short-term gratification and the short-term pleasures, if you like, in life, whether that be you know, eating burgers and ice cream on the couch whilst watching Netflix or out drinking with your friends, partying. Those things have got, something's got to give for you to get up there, um, you know, and, and make it as a pro against guys who have, most guys have put the work in. They haven't made excuses. They've executed, most of those guys. They haven't gone out and socialized. So where I'm going with this is, I found out who my real friends were and I'm still, my circle is tight. I've got a, Obviously, I live in Australia, and, and all my friends are in the UK, my close friends. I've got one or two here in Australia from back home who I'm really close with. But, you know, my, my day ones, so to speak, friends uh, back home, they know who they are if they're listening to this. They're my circle, and they're the people who I choose to surround myself with. They make me, they push me to achieve my goals. They help me grow as a person. They challenge me on certain things, which is what you need to grow and to learn. Um, and, and those friends, whilst I was competing, they never once did they say shit behind my back or say, you know, oh, you know, he's a bit boring nowadays, not coming out and whatever it is. They were there to support me. They were there at my first show and all they did was encourage me and support me. And, and those guys are still around me to this day and they know who they are. And that is my message to you. Um, that's what I want you to take away from this point is surround yourself with the right people. You become, you literally become, so the, the, people you, the, the people you spend, the five people you spend the most time with is literally who you become. I said the word again. Now, the five people you surround yourself with, I'll say it one more time, are who you become, okay? So you'll pick up the habits. It's just like someone trying to lose weight. Someone's trying to lose weight, they're overweight, they're obese, and their friends are all overweight and obese and eating shitty foods, not going to the gym, What's going to happen to that person if they continue to surround themselves with those people who, who lack the discipline and, and lack the, you know, not willing to work on their willpower? They're going to end up in the same position. They're going to end up overweight. And it's, it's literally, 
I don't know what the stats are, but it's it's almost impossible for you to actually achieve your goals when you surround yourself with people who are going to pull you back. And the same goes for anything really, whether that is your state of mind. You want to be happy, you want to keep a positive attitude, and you're surrounded by people who have a negative, resentful mindset. What's going to happen to you? It's going to rub off on you. And, you know, I don't mean to say, you know, because as as I've mentioned a lot of times before, depression, anxiety, and mental illness is rife. It's the leading disability in adults. It's blown me away, that has. It is the leading disability in young adults. That is surpassing diabetes and all of those chronic ailments, everything. So mental illness is rife nowadays. You know, the, the leading cause of suicide um, in young adults is, is uh, I can't think what the age category is. It's different for guys and girls. It's suicide, the leading cause. And it, honestly, it's, um, yeah, it's, it, it actually rattles me every time I talk about it. So where I was going with that is if, you're, if you have friends who have depression and anxiety, that is different. Obviously, they're going to be in a negative state of mind. You have to support them. You have to do what you can to support them. But even even that, you know, you, you have to be mindful. They have to help themselves, unfortunately, right? So there's only so much you could do in that situation. But yes, you need to be there for them. Um, and, and that's very important. So I'm not saying if you have a friend who is suffering from these issues to not support them. I'm definitely not saying that. I just wanted to... Uh, make that disclaimer because uh, as you, you guys know, I'm, I'm trying, my, trying my best to kind of raise awareness for these issues and um, there's still work to be done for me. I need to, I need to reach out, you know, more often and, and um, cause there's people suffering in silence. So sometimes you need to just ask your friends or ask someone who's suffering or ask someone who you think may, you, you might have an inkling that they're not quite right. You need to ask them, you know, are you okay? You need, you need to question them and say, you know, is everything okay? Because sometimes they won't tell you unless you probe them. Um, and I kind of went off on a, a bit of a tangent there, but um, the, the key takeaway from that is surround yourself with the right people. It's very important you evaluate that today. Now, if you're listening to this, make sure if there's anyone who you think is holding you back in any area of your life, you need to reassess. And unfortunately, you know, if you continue to surround yourself with those people, it will have a detrimental effect on your on your well-being. So you've just got to you've just got to cut your losses and. And, and sometimes cut certain people off. So uh, that's why I learned. People who I fought were my friends, bang, they were gone. Cut them off because uh, I realized they weren't really friends. And the ones who are my friends and supported me throughout that journey to, to making it as a, as a pro bodybuilder or fitness model competitor, they're still there now to this day. And uh, I'm very, very grateful for that. Number four, embrace suffering. Okay? Now, to a certain extent. I'm going to talk about the, the flip side of this now. I don't, I don't, because you've got to be careful when you say these kind of things because life is not about continuously suffering and being miserable, okay? That's not what I mean. What I mean is getting out of your comfort zone as often as possible in any realm of life. If there's something where, if there's an area where you have a weakness, where you, which you struggle with, then you need to work on that area and embrace developing that skill, whatever that may be. For me, for example, um, I've always mentioned on the podcast before right now, I've improved a lot, but organization and structure is still some, something which I slack on. Um, so I'm working on that myself. I'm, I'm applying more structure to my, to my life now, and I'm starting to um, you know, outsource and look at other people who are, who, uh, you know, who, who are experts in that field to, to help me out and, and do some of that for me, the structuring, because you can't do it all yourself. 
once again, going off on one a bit, but point four is to embrace suffering. Now, I mentioned briefly earlier about the eating disorder, the binge eating disorder, which manifested throughout my career. Uh, well, my career is not over yet. I'm competing in October for the for the um, first time in three years and also for the last time. But my career as a fitness model competitor or physique competitor, you know, it came at a price. I built up an eating disorder, which was really bad, affected my, my mental state of mind. It affected me physically and emotionally. And, and every area of my life suffered because of it. And it was a miserable place when I look back. But when I think about it, when I was, when I was actually in it, I didn't really realize it, to be honest. I was kind of brainwashed into thinking I was being healthy um, because I was addicted to food. Now, you know, there's a quote here. Suffering is the true test of life. And that is true. I suffered a lot with that binge eating disorder. Let me just give you a quick run through real briefly. I, t- I mentioned earlier the second time I competed, I didn't place in the top six. And I come off stage and my, my good friend, as you all know, Mr. Bond Fitness, who, who chimes in on these podcasts, my, uh, my, my up and coming business partner, Andrew Bond, he was there supporting me, one of my good friends. And I come off stage and leading up to this show, the eating disorder had started to develop because what I did leading up to the show is I made a list, right? I made a list of all the foods that I couldn't eat and um, whilst leading up to this prep. All shitty foods, you know, um, burgers, pizzas, ice creams, cakes, you name it, all on this list. Restaurants, I had a list of restaurants. Most of them were like just, you know, like Indian food I was craving, uh, burgers and chips. I was craving, like I said, ice cream. I had an ice cream, a few ice cream parlors and and dessert places on my list to to go and visit after the show. And if you're, come on, that literally tells a story about how my relationship with food was at that point, right? I'm making a list of all these places. I had a list as long as my arm. And leading up to it, I also had all these different types of foods that I wanted. So so I I basically went to the superstore before this show and I bought loads of different stuff. I remember buying these... um, giant cupcakes, six of them. I bought um, loads of chocolate, biscuits. <laughs> I actually had a cake made. For, uh, there's this uh, coffee shop, which I liked, which done an amazing carrot cake, which is still to this day my favorite cake, by the way, uh, alongside cheesecake. Stop dribbling. Um, and I got them to make me a whole cake at this coffee shop. I said, you know, how much for a cake? They made me a whole one. So I had all these foods I took to the show for me, granola and yoga, all these weird foods, basically a mixture of um, sugar and, re- sorry, refined sugar and, and saturated fats, right? The worst kind of foods you can eat. And uh, I had loads of them in a, in a bag, leading up, uh, took it to the show with me. Anyway, long story short, got off stage. Me and, my, me and Andrew went on the biggest binge eating rampage to this day I've ever experienced. I think we consumed, it would have been well over 20,000 calories in the space of 24 hours. We ate everything in sight. And that was the start of the binge eating disorder. And that went on for years. So even when I wasn't competing or leading up to photo shoots and restricting my food and then binging, that was the pattern and the behaviors I'd I'd actually developed. So let me give you a quick run through. Monday to Thursday, for example, I would be in like I was competing in the week. That's the only way I knew to kind of get in shape, to to look good. Because as I've mentioned before, I was driven mainly by how I looked. Um, back then, not so much by health. And I, 
what was I saying then? And yeah, so I would, Monday to Thursday, I would um, eat what I was doing, eating when I was competing. Chicken, broccoli, salmon, walnuts, the same foods. I would get to Friday, I would, I would struggle to make it through to a Friday. I would get to like Friday afternoon and I would have one bad thing. Let's just say I would have some chocolate rice cakes which are not that bad, but it's still, cause I would justify having them, see, because it was a rice cake, but it was still chocolate on there, which would trigger me eating everything in sight. Or I can remember one time, for example, I went and had a burger. I was like, oh, you know, you've had a tough week, have a burger, which is not a bad thing on a Friday. That's totally fine. But that would then, boom, that would trigger that, um, that binge eating. And, and this, the kind of, it's interesting how the psychology works because your brain doesn't know the difference between survival, eating foods to survive, and eating foods which are highly palatable. So my brain was conditioned at that point because I'd obviously restricted my, my, my food so much and, and got myself into a really unhealthy state to get on stage and deprive myself. My body then was like, okay, if we get the chance to eat food, we need to eat the fuck out of it because we might die. That's what your brain thinks. But that, that's obviously not the case, but we have a two million year old brain, right? So it doesn't know the difference. And, and that's what would happen. I would have the one bad meal on the Friday and boom, the whole weekend would turn into one big binge. And I'm talking, I wouldn't eat anything healthy for the whole weekend. Maybe I would have one or two decent meals like salads. Um, and I would just, boom, I would just be going all out on everything. You name it, Ben and Jerry's ice cream, Domino's pizzas. That was my main thing. On a Saturday night, I would order a large Domino's, uh, a whole tub of Ben and Jerry's and Domino's cookies. 4,000 calories of just refined, processed really unhealthy foods. And I would just smash that on a Saturday evening. And that was, that was aside from the binge I would have on a Sunday where I'd be eating more crap burgers and wherever it is. And, um, yeah, that's what happened. So the, the final point that, so the point that the point is to embrace suffering because I'm now thankful for that suffering because I suffered with that eating disorder. I eventually learned how to eat intuitively. Now, what I would like to say is I witness more eating disorders and incredibly unhealthy relationships with food in the competition world amongst my peers, the people I competed against and with, than I experienced in my whole career of a, a whole almost decade at that time of training hundreds of people from all walks of life. I experienced more competitors with major, major eating disorders than I did with anyone I'd ever trained in my whole career as a personal trainer, right? So that goes to show, and a lot of these people still have that issue. They still have a major eating disorder. Um, you know, they're driven by how they look because you, you know, when you're on stage, you're being critiqued against people, you know, who look great. And, and it, if you have any insecurities about how you look, it can cement that in and make it worse. So a lot of, a lot of those people didn't come out um, on the other side, like I did, where I, I applied myself by learning. Do you know what really changed the game for me, folks, which, which helped me, which was really, I think, the turning point for me in terms of um, in, in improving my relationship with food and eliminating my, my binge eating disorder was listening to podcasts. Literally changed my life, folks. L absolutely. I'm using that word again. <laughs> it, honestly, it changed my life. It transformed my life. Listening to podcasts, educating myself and learning about nutrition and learning about, you know, how to eat intuitively. In other words, eating based on what your body needs rather than like most of us eat 
purely based on taste, which is um, a slippery slope. So, yeah, so luckily I suffered because it forced me to learn, it forced me to grow, and it forced me to develop, you know, my character even more because I had to, I had to, you know, what, what I learned from this one particular podcast, I'll, I'll shout them out like I always do, Mind Pump. That's Mind Pump, right? Incredible podcast. Uh, and and they, they could relate because they were in the same boat as me at one point. And I started slowly connecting the dots. I started, the first thing I remember really, which was a game changer, is, is vegetables. How I felt when I ate lots of different types of vegetables, I felt great energy. Um, I wasn't craving the, the crappy foods, which I normally craved and so on and so forth. And then that then made me slowly change the way I looked at foods because I slowly stopped craving the kind of engineered processed garbage that I was craving throughout the course of my binge eating disorder. And, and yeah, it was, a, it was a complete game changer. And then I started, you know, um, yeah, really, really just up in my my education really and, and applying the stuff I'd learned to my life with nutrition and with training and relationships and focusing on the quality of my sleep and essentially as we always talk about making health a priority so thankfully I suffered um and and you know I, I learned a lot about that and it, it got me to where I am today so um I'd like to state though as I said I I, I wouldn't want anyone to go through that to be honest I wouldn't and don't get me wrong it would, there's people out there who suffer with much I, I wasn't bulimic and stuff like that making myself sick and you know I wasn't that like as bad as what you think it may be but it was still terrible you know what I mean it was still really bad it was impeding on my life and my well-being um, quite a lot so I would never wish anyone to go through that and I'm not I'm not saying embrace that kind of suffering you know that you have to go through that kind of you know misery to to, to get to where you want to get. But what I mean is making yourself uncomfortable, right? So, you know, you, you get the little bitch voice in your head telling you not to go to the gym. <laughs> That's what it is, the little bitch voice telling you to, you know, stay home and watch TV or, you know, oh, no, you know, you, you, you've had a tough day, you know, all those bullshit excuses. You know, that is staying in your comfort zone, essentially. So get to the gym, suffer a little bit, you know, suffer by get into the gym. That's the hardest part. You have to suffer a little bit because you, you know, you go into the gym, you don't want to go. You feel like, you know, you're tired. When you get to the gym, you start lifting, you feel great. You always leave the gym feeling much better and you're always thankful that you did it. So that's just a little, you know, I'm always going to relate most things to fitness. Um, and even business as well is something I'm learning is to, to go, try and go above and beyond. You know, uh, you need to, you need to put the work in. You need to put the work in. If you want to be successful, if you want to be an entrepreneur, which is something I'm I'm striving for, you know, I haven't got there yet. I'm I'm on on my, my journey to to build more of an online business. But to do that, you have to work smart, you have to work hard, and you have to work long, unfortunately, if you really want to get there. A lot of people say, you know, you just work smart. You don't have to no, it's not about just working smart, because there's people out there killing it who are working smart, they're working hard and they're working long hours as well. So as grim as that may sound, you have to embrace that kind of suffering if you wanna if you wanna be successful, I guess. So yeah, that's what I learned. Embrace suffering. And I'd like to one more thing I'd like to say is the suffering leading up to shows. Obviously, I had to suffer in terms of a calorie deficit continuously, you know, pushing my body above and beyond essentially was, was suffering as well. And I'm, I'm glad I embraced that suffering because it's, it developed my character, built my character up. And, and as I say, it, uh, it made me who I am today. So that was number four. Finally, guys, 
I hope you're still you're still uh, engaged. I've gone off on a little bit of a uh, wild one today. But um, number five is comparison is the thief of joy. Okay, so comparing yourself to others is always going to be bad news. Once again, going back to evolution, our brains are wired to compare ourselves to other people. I'm not going to go into the details, the evolutionary reasons for that, but that is natural to occasionally compare yourself to other people. There's no way around that really, and it's based on your upbringing and your subconscious and whatnot. However, be careful with this, right? And as we've mentioned on on the episode we've done on social media, social comparisons on social media, right? This is, I think, one of the most important things really, right? If you're on Instagram, you're on Facebook, be mindful of who you're following. If you're following people who don't make you feel good about yourselves, so you're following people who look great all the time, but don't really add any value to your life. Now, you know, it's fine looking great all the time. That's Instagram for you, right? The pictures are modified. Some people do look great all the time, right? But it's rare. On Instagram, you know, most people are putting their best foot forward. They're bodging up the pictures, you know, modifying the pictures, angles, all that kind of stuff. And then you're comparing yourself to that person um, and, and, and several people. And what that does then, if you're doing that on a daily basis, you've got to be very careful because that etches into your subconscious and it will make you more and more insecure about yourself. So you, you've got to stop doing that. You've got to unfollow. If, people, if there's people on your feed, on your um, news feed, who look great, right? And But they're offering you value. They're educating you. Their captions are good. And you really like them as a person. You find they're authentic. You know, you watch their stories and that kind of... That's great as an exception. But if you're just following people who, you know, women, for example, who look great in a bikini or, you know, guys who are listening, if you're following guys who look shredded and they're just posting shredded selfies all the time with no educational captions and no value no free content for you to absorb and stuff like that which is going to benefit you unfollow them please unfollow them because that will change the way your brain works over time and it will it will slowly drive you down well it it could potentially most likely drive you down the wrong path okay it'll drive you to do things based on insecurities which is a dangerous game so I learned this at the extreme level, okay? Now, I mentioned briefly then, you get on stage, you're in great shape, you're shredded, you jump up there, and you're being compared to other shredded guys who also look great. And sometimes, like I said, I I failed. I'm not going to use that word. I didn't succeed in my first few competitions, and that made me feel even worse about myself then because then I was comparing myself to other people even more because I'm like, what has he got? Right, okay, so his upper chest is a bit bigger than mine. His shoulders are more developed. And then I started, and that, that's kind of a good thing as a bodybuilder to do that occasionally because you need to be aware of the areas you need to work on, but you can take it too far even as a bodybuilder and you end up just comparing yourself to other people. And, and you know, this is, this is an extreme example, right? But it was bad news. And then what that did is it kind of cemented in any insecurities I had. So, you know, on social media, and it's, to be honest, I've always been confident, even then, when I was more insecure than I am now, I was still confident about my physique regardless. Um, and, and, and I was confident about myself as a person because I built that confidence up over years of training people and doing different pursuits and whatnot. And yeah, so I, the confidence takes work, right? So I built that up over years. So thankfully, I was always more confident than the average 
male, if you like, anyway. So, but my thing then was comparing myself to other people on social media in terms of, you know, I didn't win. And then one guy, for example, who I did my first show with, Romaine Lansford, who I will be having on the podcast, guys, for the next couple of weeks, actually. He won the first show and I came second. And he went on then to be really successful as a men's physique athlete, won a few shows, eventually made it as the pro, as an IFBB pro, which is insane to get to that level. I made it as a WBFF pro, which is one thing. I've done that naturally, which is very hard. But making it as an IFBB pro, whether you're natural or not, is one hell of an achievement. And he got he done that. And um, and I want to give full credit to him. And I'll take anything away from him. He is one ridiculously hard worker. His work ethics through the roof. That guy is just... He's superhuman. And anyway, I was then comparing myself to him. And I'm like, right, he's now a sponsored athlete. You know, he's... He's um, winning all these shows. He's got all these followers on Instagram. This is just an example of one of the many guys I was comparing myself to. And then I was like, well, why haven't I got that? Why aren't I being successful, you know? Um, and I started to feel shit about myself. And I was doing this for a solid year or two whilst I had that binge eating disorder and I was going through the tough times behind the scenes. I was following people, like lots of fitness models who were killing it in competitions and looked like they were killing it, which I know a lot of these, but Romaine, this guy is, is an example, he is actually killing it, but a lot of them are not. A lot of them is just all, it's all um, bullshit. So bear that in mind, people, like a lot of fitness models online or people who are promoting supplements and giving you these discount codes, they look like they're killing it, but really they're not, they're not killing it. They're not making much money. They're not adding value to people's lives. They're not... Um, really changing people's lives and benefiting people as much as they look like they are. So um, I started to realize that over time and I've unfollowed all those people now because um, not because I'm being a hater, but because they had no value to my life. They had no, they're not really doing anything to help people. Um, and they're not, they're not killing it after all. It looked like they were, but the majority of them weren't. And I was comparing myself to those people and feeling shit about myself. So my message to you is, unfollow those people who don't do it now get on your phone right maybe not now but just do it right get on there and if you've got people on your feeds who are not benefiting you unfollow them just simple as that right if they're not really benefiting you and they're not helping you in one way or another just unfollow them that's one example uh the other example is just in real life um you know comparing ourselves to other people be mindful, right? We're going to do it all the time. I still do it every single day. It's completely normal to do it. Compare yourself to people, whether that's health and how they look or whether that's, you know, their confidence or whatever that is. Always be aware of the fact that if you're looking at them and you're thinking negative thoughts about them or you're thinking negative thoughts about yourself, a lot of the time they've got something you want. I'll say that again. They've got something you want, okay? Whether that be confidence whether it be finance, whether it be a physique or health, whether that be, it could be anything. It could be absolutely anything, but a lot of the times when you think that they've got something you want, okay? But on the flip side, it could just be purely because of your insecurities. And that can be toxic. If you're looking at people, you know, you're insecure about something and you're looking at them and like, why haven't I got this? How are they doing that? And then you can go down that road of questioning everything and, and dwelling and feeling sorry for yourself. And, and unfortunately, if that person is successful, like I said, a lot of the time they're not. A lot of the time it's a facade and you make stuff up in your heads. You look at someone and think they're killing it. A lot of the time they're not. Sometimes they are. But the most thing to be, uh, the most important thing to be aware of is ask yourself why. You know, why am I thinking that about that person? It's because 
and, and a lot of the time, you know, is it because I, um, I don't have something? There's something I'm not working on. A lot of the time, it's a reflection or projection of yourself. So just be aware of that and just, you know, check yourself whenever you're doing it. And when you're going down that negative thought pattern of, oh, you know, like, how come he's doing that? Like, what is it? And then you've got to say, well, okay, well, if they're doing well in that area where, where I am failing at, you might not be failing. Or that area where I don't seem to be getting much, many results from, then there's normally something that they're doing that you're not. So that person you can sometimes learn from as well. But um, once again, I went off on a bit of a mad one there. But the bottom line is, uh, the quote, comparison is the thief of joy. Okay, one more time. Comparison is the thief of joy. If you're comparing yourself to people on a daily basis, that is going to etch into your subconscious and it could be detrimental. So just be the, oh, the first step with everything, folks, everything I've talked about is awareness. Whether that be the comparison thing, whether that be the consistency, be aware of the fact that you may not be being consistent in some area. And once you've, once you've caught onto that awareness, take the next step. What can I do to sort that out? What can I do to get that extra training session in? I can compromise here. So, you know, people make excuses. I can't get to the gym for that second or third session, okay? Why can't I get to the gym? Work. I'm too busy. Get up earlier and go to the gym in the morning. Go later in the night. Do whatever it takes. You know, we always, I put a post up recently, you know, um, prioritize. The bottom line is, you know, we, we, we all say we're too busy, but the bottom line is we're not making whatever it is we want to achieve a priority. And that's the bottom line. So, yeah. And that's that. So, number one, learn how to fail. Okay? Failure is key. And let's just take away that word. Learn. There's no such thing as failure. You don't succeed, you learn, you grow, you move forward. Number two, consistency. Always remember, folks, tiny incremental changes done consistently week by week, day by day. Astronomical, groundbreaking results you will get later down the line. Number three, surround yourself with the right people, okay? You'll find out who your true friends are through certain periods in your life. A lot of you may have already done that. Be aware of that. Keep your circle tight. Make sure those people are supporting you and benefiting you. And make sure they're checking you at the same time. Make sure those people are, are, are challenging you from time to time. Embrace suffering. Okay, so push yourself essentially out of your comfort zone. Remember, suffering is the true test of life. David Goggins said that. So, you know, suffering, I mean, not to the extreme where you're literally like making yourself ill and, and developing eating disorders like I did. I don't mean that kind of suffering. I mean, suffer a little bit each day. Do something which is hard, challenging. That could, I'm going to say it again. That could be going to the gym. That could be what I said at the start, improving your sleep. That is a little bit of suffering because you've got to plan that. You've got to plan that. You've got to go, right, okay, I'm going to suffer a little bit by coming off my phone. Okay, that's, a, that's a, a minor case of suffering, right? Because you're used to getting that fix of entertainment or whatever it is you're getting, and now you're taking that away and you're dimming the lights down an hour before bed. You're putting your blue light blockers on and you're preparing yourself for a good sleep. <coughs> Excuse me. So yeah, embrace suffering. Finally, comparison is the thief of joy. Comparing yourself to others is always gonna be bad news <coughs> if you're doing it continuously. So, comparison is a thief of joy. Be aware when you're comparing yourself to other people, whether that be because they are more successful in terms of the money they're making, whether that be because they're in better shape than you, whether that be because they travel more than you, whatever that is, it's always a reflection of something that you're either not doing right 
or your insecurities. So you can always achieve what you want to achieve, but do it for you. Create the best version of yourself. Do not compare yourself to other people because that will be toxic. If you're trying to do certain things just because someone else has done it, a lot of the times you're going to end up disappointed, okay? And with that, if you could please, guys, if you enjoyed this podcast, I beg you to go over to iTunes and give me a, a rating and review because these ratings and reviews are, are really important to help this podcast grow. And yeah, that's it. Thanks a lot, guys. Stay tuned for the next episode.